Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's the goal of the Res Talk podcast to communicate some late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broader way of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the broad array of stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. Whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, appraiser, you want to hear about some of these evolving trends in home energy rating systems. The Res Talk podcast is one of the new ways ResNet will communicate with all stakeholders. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've worked in the HVACR and building performance markets for almost 30 years, and I've been working with ResNet and the team at ResNet for nearly that whole time. If you like what you heard today and not yet subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk, R-E-S-T-A-L-K, into the search bar in the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, or other types of podcast applications. In this way, you'll get all the episodes as soon as they're launched and ready to be released. You can also listen in your browser by following the links at www.resnet.us slash professional. Now, if you're a consumer listening and you want to hear more about the benefits of a home energy rating, cruise on over to resnet.us to learn more. In today's episode, we hear from Russell Pope, who is the Industry Development Manager for Panasonic. He teaches us some of the intricacies involved in delivering proper ventilation in a residential setting. And now, on to Russell. How are you doing today, Russell? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Fantastic. It's a nice day here. It's still summertime, a little bit humid here in Pittsburgh. How's the weather where you are? Same. Jacksonville, Florida. I think today is actually pretty mild as far as the temperature goes, so we're probably in the mid to upper 80s, which is actually pretty nice for this time of year. Jacksonville, Florida, where you are, are you like a remote employee for Panasonic? How does that work? Yes. The corporate offices that I'm based out of are, actually it's combined, Newark, New Jersey, And we also have the engineering support offices are in San Diego, California. So I split time between working from home here in Jacksonville and pretty extensive travel. So probably 65% of the time I'm on the road traveling, whether they're conferences or events for the Home Ventilating Institute, Department of Energy, ASHRAE 62.2. So a lot of those types of activities. It sounds like you're very focused on ventilation. How much of like of a subset is that Panasonic? Panasonic's a very large brand name. Where does this fit in the kind of overall scheme of things at Panasonic? You're correct that ventilation is a very small portion of Panasonic as a whole company. So as I've been working with Panasonic, that some of the things that we do that I have no idea of is we're real heavy in avionics, automobiles, so some of the sensors that you'll see. I would give ventilation probably as a percentage of our business in North America. It's probably 3% or so. So relatively small, but as an overall portion of the ventilation industry, Panasonic represents a significant portion, especially of the Energy Star fans that are installed throughout North America. Why is that? Where is their focus on Energy Star? It seems like it's almost everyone I look at seems to have the Energy Star label. Why is that? It was something that Panasonic kind of evolved with. We recognize that Panasonic's never been known for having the least expensive products. We thrive on the quality products and differentiation. So I guess it was in the earlier 90s, we introduced the quieter fans. So we really were focusing on fans being very quiet and then the DC motor technology. Panasonic was one of the first ones to have Energy Star. 
and Energy Star for the energy ratings, and then they incorporated in some of the sound requirements for Energy Star. And the program has continued to evolve. So now we're seeing Energy Star looking for performance at higher static pressures than the industry used to look at only 0.1 inches of pressure. Now Energy Star looks also for performance at 0.25 inches of static pressure. And they're now proposing for the most efficient criteria for fans in 2019, they're proposing that manufacturers have to publish the sound at 0.25 inches of static pressure also to meet the most efficient requirements for Energy Star ventilation fans in 2019. So that's a pretty interesting change that we've seen. Yeah, and it's also interesting how it evolves. The basis of a fan, in my perspective, it's to provide good ventilation, so that's about air quality, but the sound gets into environmental quality and perhaps sort of the human element of, are they going to disconnect it because it's too noisy? In order to be installed, and it's got to be used to be effective. Absolutely, especially as we get more involved with kitchen range hood ventilation. That's historically been a big problem with range hoods is they're so loud that people really aren't using them the way that they should because it's distracting. Typically with cooking activities, it's a social event and you want to be able to talk to the people that you're cooking with. I know a little bit enough about indoor air quality to to be dangerous, I guess, or to be a danger to myself perhaps. But when I cook and I think I need to put the range hood on now, I get this scowl from my wife. It's like, what are you doing that for? That's noisy. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So there's this social thing that's going on there, just as you described. So that's very interesting how energy and good health actually has this kind of social component revolving around it that translates to the products and what you have to do for the performance of the products. Very interesting. Yeah, I know we're getting a little bit off track of the bathroom fans, but interesting development with range hoods, too, that the listeners should pay attention to. And that's the development of capture efficiency ratings, that there is a new ASTM test standard for capture efficiency for range hoods. So they're really starting to look more so at not what CFM the product is actually exhausting, but how effectively and efficiently is it capturing the contaminants that are generated during the cooking activity. So that's a sidebar, but it's something interesting for the listeners to follow. Yeah, and that's under development. But going back to the topic at hand, the the bathroom fan design, if you will, is that a good way of talking about it? Yes, absolutely. I think of like three segments. There's the fan design, which is the product by the manufacturer. There's the system design. And then the other aspect is the installation of the system design. And the system design is really the venting, right? Is that more so the thing that you pay attention to? Yeah, the ductwork and the termination that's selected for the exterior of the building. So whether it's a roof jack or an exterior wall mount or a soffit vent. So there's different ways that those fans can be exhausted. And in most cases, that's out of the manufacturer's hands. Manufacturers have typically designed products to perform at the industry-based standards, which were 0.1 and 0.25 inches of static pressure. But what we're learning is that those other effects, the way that the installers are running the ductwork and the termination that they're using actually are more heavily influencing that installation than we originally thought. The type of contractors that would be installing these, how would you categorize them? Is it mainly HVAC or is it builders? Who installs these? Usually it's the HVAC, but we see different groups doing the installation in different regions. And we also see different things happening based on the type of installation. A perfect example is a soffit vent. So a lot of times the HVAC company will come in, they'll install the fan, and then they'll run a section of duct out to the soffit and actually let it hang out. So sometimes you'll be traveling through a new neighborhood and you'll see just these, looks like an elephant trunk hanging out of the soffit and they're waiting for the soffit vent 
installation group to come in and actually install those soffits and then put in the termination. But what happens a lot of times is they're not HVAC contractors. They don't understand the effects of putting bins in that ductwork. So they'll stuff that ductwork back up into the soffit or attic or they'll do whatever they can to get rid of that five feet of flexible duct without actually cutting it. So they just stuff it up in the soffit. And the next thing you know, you're completely compromised the ability for the fan to exhaust because you've crushed the ductwork. So it's a big problem that you've got different trades doing portions of the installation sometimes. And because our audience primarily is for ResNet and it's raiders and people are involved in that kind of circle, do you know if that's something that's actually specifically called out in the rating process or the evaluation, the quality audit? Yeah, so really where it comes into play is when the raiders are doing the installation and they're measuring what the performance is of the exhaust fan. So a lot of times they're actually going in and they're having to verify that that exhaust fan is doing what it was supposed to do. So a lot of installers are finding as they're going in and doing that inspection, they're finding that the fans aren't even performing at the code minimum requirement of 50 CFM. And a big reason for that is improper installation and the fans really need to be designed to handle higher static pressures than 0.25 inches of static pressure even. So the research that we've done has shown that most of the installations or a lot of the installations are exceeding 0.3 inches of static pressure. And some of them are up to 0.4, 0.5 inches of pressure, depending on how long that duct run is and the duct end termination that was selected. That provides a challenging situation. At that point, what can a rater do? Do they just make note of it, it's failing, or do they get involved in the observation? Like, how much do you want them to take away from this podcast? Should they be looking further and providing advice? They definitely need to be providing advice because the builder is going to have to resolve that problem before they can close on that house in a lot of cases. So really, what the rater will look for is to try to take a peek up in the attic and see what that duct is doing to see if it has a sharp bend. A lot of times they'll actually, when the fan is installed, it'll be facing the wrong direction. So they will directly come out of the fan and do a 180 degree turn with the ductwork and then go out towards the termination. And little things like that, a 180 degree turn directly out of the fan, that one turn could be 0.1, 0.15 inches of static pressure, just that one turn. So that's something for them to look at. The other thing is to look at the actual terminations. Daniel Escatel, who was a graduate student at the Texas A&M University, did his thesis paper on duct-in terminations. And it was really interesting that they found, they did a lot of tests, and they found that the average static pressure for a 4-inch wall cap exhausting 80 CFM was 0.1 inches of static pressure. At 100 CFM, it was 0.16 inches of static pressure, just for the termination. Roof jacks were similar. Roof jacks, 80 CFM was 0.17 inches of pressure. 100 CFM, it jumped up to 0.23 inches of pressure. And then some of the most difficult historically are the soffit vents. And soffit vents trying to exhaust 80 CFM were averaging 0.21 inches of pressure for the 80 CFM and 100 CFM were 0.29 inches of static pressure. Actually, it was 0.299, so 0.3 inches of pressure just for that termination line. We actually tested a soffit vent that was 0.375 inches of static pressure. The concerning thing about that is it was a spring-loaded damper, and there was enough leakage out of the termination that actually the dampers never opened with some of the fans. So some of the AC fans weren't even strong enough to open the dampers, 
but there was probably about 30 or 40 CFM that was leaking out of the soffit, out of the termination, because it had enough openings in it that it would leak out backside before it would actually exhaust to the outside. So in that instance, you would end up with a lot of potential moisture in the soffit because it's not actually exhausting out. It's just leaking out of the termination into the soffit space. Sure. We've mentioned, or you've mentioned a couple times, AC fans, DC. Why don't you go over the differences between those? Like, How would someone identify that? And what kind of performance characteristics does that mean? Because I'm sure there's a price, but there's also a value to it. There are, yeah. So a lot of the AC products, which are most of the lower-end products, it's kind of a dumb motor, meaning that it just does its best to exhaust as much air as it can, and it really doesn't have any kind of logic per se. The DC motors actually have printed circuit boards, and the printed circuit boards are programmed so that they're monitoring the speed of the fan and the amp draw. And based on the speed and the amp draw, it's determining approximately what the static pressure is. So as it measures higher speed, higher amp draw, it recognizes that the pressure is higher. And it actually, the fans will compensate. So it'll recognize that it needs to speed up to get to that design airflow. No, it recognizes within certain range. It's not unlimited, of course, but it's got a certain amount of performance it can run against. Yeah. So that's one of the things to look for is a lot of times there's fans that are Energy Star even. So it's HVI certified, Energy Star, but they're designed to just meet that 0.1 and 0.25 requirement. So just because a fan is actually Energy Star and has ratings at 0.25, if you look deeper, into the performance curve of those products, you'll see that after 0.25 inches of static pressure, the fans significantly lose the ability to exhaust air. So some of those at 0.32 inches of pressure, they're actually only exhausting 30 or 40 CFM, which don't meet the minimum code requirements. In my mind, I'm thinking like a picture's worth a thousand words here in terms of both the performance curves, how to read a performance curve, and the picture of the installation. Do you have any resources like that you could point to or I could send people to with a link, perhaps? I think probably what we can do is prepare some links uh, specific to this purpose after we finish with the call and we can direct to those. We do have a section on our website that has resources, white papers and that kind of thing. So we can make sure that we publish some appropriate information there because we do have some presentations that we've given. I gave one at the actual at the Home Performance Coalition conference. That's a good one that we can post. And it does show a lot of those things. It shows the performance curves, how to read them, and what to look for. Perfect. Yeah, that's important because sometimes the technical information can be daunting and you really do need sort of an education because I'd imagine also different manufacturers state their performance curves in a different way. There's no probably industry standard, is there? Correct. Yeah, a lot of times they'll just do tables. And a lot of times you'll see it's kind of consistent with the price of the products. So the less expensive products are more likely to only show what the performance is at 0.1 and 0.25 inches of static pressure. And they're more likely to not show that full performance curve, which is really important to show that full performance curve because based on what we know now about the vent caps and roof jacks, that we really need to find products that exhaust air at greater than 0.25 inches of pressure. 
that's not your product, the vent caps and roof, the terminations are not your product. So are you working with manufacturers of those kind of products or how does that play out? We are, and we actually do have one product that is available and it's actually the only HVI certified duct-in termination. So really what we're working with the industry and trying to get done is we're really trying to influence that duct-in terminations need to have a rating of their own so that we can really understand how that's going to impact the installation. So we now have a certified soffit vent that can be found in the HVI certified products directory, but right now it's the only one. There is a way that you can kind of bench test terminations that's really pretty easy but it's an option if you're just curious how bad a termination may be yeah sounds like something a youtuber should tackle (laughs) yeah because it is really simple it's just a matter of having a fan that you can set up on a bench top and then have a manometer several times here you've mentioned hvi i think you actually explain the acronym which is great i always try to do that for the listeners but why don't you give us a little bit more detail about hvi what does it stand for what does it mean what do they do So the Home Ventilating Institute is a trade association that is bath fan manufacturers and energy recovery ventilator manufacturers. So it's basically the group of manufacturers kind of got tired years ago of it being the Wild West. And people would say, well, you know, our fan exhausts this. A lot of times it didn't. So now the products are actually tested in an independent third-party lab, and the information from those tests is published. In addition to just the information being published, there's follow-up. So every couple of years, HVI will randomly select a product from the market, purchase it, have it shipped to the lab, and verify that the product is really performing as it's advertised. Do you have a role with HVI? Yeah, I've worked with HVI for about 10 years now. I participate in the board of directors and a lot of the committees, so engineering committee and some of those other groups. So the energy recovery ventilation also is one that we're spending a lot of time on Mm -hmm. as a task group. How about, so we've sort of dig in a little bit about your past. Like what's your experience? What brings you to this point in your career where you're doing this type of work for Panasonic? I've been a kind of long history as I started off out of college, industrial management, spent some time actually with Browning Ferris Industries. It's a waste company and did recycling. Graduated from recycling and selling in that arena. Medical supplies I sold for a couple of years. I did flooring for a little while, but then about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, went to work for a commercial fan manufacturing company. They did a small amount with residential ventilation and uh, just found my interest in residential ventilation, that it was really something that I could focus on. And it was just interesting to me. I also noted, I think it was in one of the documents you'd sent me, maybe it was the PowerPoint that you did at the Home Performance Conference. You do a, a course for HeatSpring Institute or the HeatSpring catalog? I don't personally. Okay. That may be something that Panasonic offers, but but I don't. So that may have been just the presentation I gave at the Home Performance Coalition. Again, going back to that presentation, again, you had some really good visuals in there. Explain to me the concept of towing capacity, because I think that was a really great analogy. Yeah, so in the presentation, what I've shown is actually there's some pictures of like a full-size F-350 hauling a load, and then I've got a Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle, trying to haul that same load. So really the the point that we're trying to make is that an exhaust fan has a towing capacity, and that towing capacity is limited for every product. Unfortunately, the industry standard of 0.1 and 0.25 is assuming 
that that fan is not going to have to haul a very heavy load. The real load of the industry is much heavier than what's assumed. So what we're saying is that you really need to provide a fan that has the capability of hauling a heavier load. In order to get the performance, which is what you're designing in the system and expect to have so many CFM being moved. So the other aspects of sort of the hidden parts of the load that get tacked on that's outside of the manufacturer's hands. So that's sort of where it gets into this gray area and you talk about terminations and duct runs and, and positioning and elbows and all that kind of thing. Is that correct? Yeah, and that's really what where we see the installations really get butchered in the field is the installers will, a lot of times they'll crush the ductwork or they'll not stretch the ductwork completely tight. So even if you're in an attic and you envision the ductwork run straight versus sagging over each rafter, the difference of that sag over each rafter could affect the installation by 0.3 inches of static pressure even versus running it straight. So there's guidelines, recommendations for installation. There's some general ones that are in all of the installation instructions. But the key is really to run that duct work straight and tight to prevent any of those bends. Because if you envision a spiral duct work, especially that's got a spring in it, the more compressed it is, the smaller the interior diameter is. And that difference in diameter is a significant difference on how hard that fan has to work. So if you've got the duct fully extended and you've got four inches opening, if it's compressed, you might have three and a quarter inches that you're trying to push that air through. There are substantial changes there can have impact. Yeah, and those are things that you really don't understand until you set the products up on a bench top and you start doing some of those things. You compress the duct, you extend the duct, you turn it. It's really shocking. I did the presentation actually at the HVI spring meetings and Energy Star was there. And we were doing some of the demonstrations and showing actually what was happening. And it was really eye-opening for them as well, I think, to see that 0.375 inches of pressure, it's reality. It's not a stretch. How does Panasonic address that? Do you have um, higher capacity fans? How would someone know to pick your fan versus another one? So what we're doing now is we're actually, we already have the Whisper Green Select fan is available with uh, certified data at 0.375 inches of static pressure. So that one, you're already able to see exactly what performance you're getting at 0.375. And we're in the process now of adding that rating to all of our DC motor products. So in the very near future, within the next three months or two months even, you'll see that we will publish performance at 0.375 inches of pressure for all of our DC fan motor products. Do you see the industry moving in the direction you're moving in? Because it sounds like there's no mandate to it. You're reacting to real conditions in the market, which is a great thing. It's how manufacturers win in the marketplace. Is anyone else reacting to it the same way you are? I don't have to name names, but just is it a trend? Is it movement? There isn't yet, but there will be. I think probably what you'll see first happen, a lot of manufacturers are going to say, yeah, you have to be careful with four-inch ducts, so use six-inch duct instead. If you use six-inch duct, you never have to worry about the pressure. So that's what the first step will be, probably. But the reality is, people like to use four-inch duct, especially if a fan is designed with a four-inch duct collar at the fan. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to be used. They're not going to increase it to six-inch in the field. Panasonic, obviously, is an international company, multifaceted. We talked about the size and scope of things. But 
What else is going on in the world? Does anything translate from ventilation in the world markets to come back to the U.S. or make the U.S. unique or different, ahead, behind? What's going on? It is very unique that you ask that question because a lot of the markets that Panasonic participates in, outdoor air is worse than the indoor air. So a lot of times where we're applying technologies overseas to measure air quality, we're typically measuring the incoming air quality, not what's in the home. So it's different in the U.S., even explaining to the engineers that outdoor air, in most cases, is always better than the indoor air in North America. Of course, unless there's a fire event or something like that outside, but the technologies that are being developed to measure air quality work whether you're measuring indoor air or outdoor air. And that's really where the industry is making a lot of changes, is really trying to understand, can we economically measure air quality? Not laboratory grade, but close enough. And that's inside, right? The indoor air quality. I'm aware of some different products that are coming out that have those attributes that are sort of connected devices, super calibrated things that run in the hundreds of dollars. Is that something that's in the scope of Panasonic to either work with or work on? Yeah, absolutely. Because we're really, I think long-term, we'll even challenge the historic methods of ASHRAE 62.2. ASHRAE 62.2, it's a best guess. You're assuming that a house is going to be occupied and with certain activities, and it just isn't the case. Some houses you have to ventilate more, some houses you have to ventilate less, and the only way to do that really or to monitor that is with quality sensors that are at the right price point. So now it's just the balance of how much are consumers willing to pay, what is the accuracy, what's the benefit. Healthy homes the big trend, though. Builders have kind of taken energy efficiency almost as far as they can. So now potential homeowners are more interested in healthy home than energy efficient homes even at this point. What do you think makes the indoor air quality worse in the U.S. than in the rest of the world? Is it our homes are tighter or it's just the outdoor air because of uh, city pollution and we have better air quality outside or outgassing of products? I mean, there are other things coming from inside. Yeah, it's a combination. Yeah. So I think it's not that the indoor air is worse in North America. I think that the main difference is the outdoor air is a lot worse in places like China and Japan. So you have to be a lot more careful with what you bring in from outside than you do in the U.S. Now, the main reason that the indoor air quality is becoming such a concern in America is because the houses are built so tightly. An old leaky farmhouse was a pretty healthy home as far as indoor air quality goes because you had a lot of opportunity for natural exchanges of air. Now, as we've built the envelopes more tight and people don't open their windows because we have air conditioning and heating, the air just doesn't escape naturally as it used to. So you have to have mechanical ventilation to make sure that you're getting those air changes. I was involved with the video that Panasonic helped to sponsor for ResNet. Were you familiar with that? The testing video? Yes. So do we do a good job? (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. That's another resource that I'll put out there as a link. It talked about the installation, the termination a little bit, and also making the measurements. I'll throw a link in there to that video. I'm sure I can find it on the ResNet site. Yeah, and I think that the Daniel Escatel thesis is really a great resource as well because it explains what they did, and it's extremely eye-opening. It's been out for several years. I can't remember the date, but I think that it was probably over eight years ago or about eight years ago that he did the study. 
But this is one of those situations that it's probably a concern for a lot of manufacturers because a lot of the products that are commonly sold, especially the builder grade products, aren't strong enough to overcome the average installation with these duct terminations. So I think that it's something that Panasonic has recognized, and we're going to kind of highlight to raise the bar for the rest of the industry to follow. Similar to what we've done with energy efficiency, DC motors, sound to make them very quiet. So this is kind of the next logical step to raise the bar on performance based on what's actually happening in the field. Pretty awesome. And one other thing you mentioned, we're going to provide some resource links to A lot of times I hear people getting fan curves and static pressure blower curves, blower tables confused. They sometimes call them fan curves, but you're really talking about fan curves versus the performance of an HVAC distribution blower. So I just want to make note of anyone who's listening, because I know ResNet folks and Hirsch Raiders do sometimes look at blower distribution air. This is something different. These fan curves are really different. So I want to underscore that point. No, thank you. So we've covered a lot of ground here today. Very interesting, very forward-thinking to Panasonic, and you sound like an awesome individual to be promoting this, understanding it, working. It sounds like you're very busy at this. Are there any points we missed you want to cover? No, I think that we covered a lot of them. I would like to open it up to make sure that if anybody listening has any questions, to feel free to contact me directly. And if I can't answer the question, certainly I will find the answer as quickly as possible or direct you to where we can provide you with the information that you need. What's the best way of reaching you, Russell? So the best way is probably email, and it's russell.pope at us.panasonic.com. Russell's got two L's in it, two S's and two L's for anyone out there. (laughs) That's correct. Yeah. And I'm located in Jacksonville, Florida, but we have a team of indoor air quality specialists. So we've got a team of six that are equally distributed throughout North America. So if there are specific questions or concerns, certainly we want to build stronger relationships with ResNet and the Raiders because we recognize the importance of it and we're willing to go out and do some field training or take a look at some actual challenges that you have in the field to assist you. Perfect. And even we have some HVAC contractors listening and builders that might be interested too, because sometimes, as you mentioned, and regionally they do get involved in the installation and the installation has such a huge bearing on any manufacturer's device being installed. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thanks, Russell. This has been very educational and informative for me today, and I hope it is for our listeners too. I want to thank you for coming on the Res Talk podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you learned something about residential ventilation performance. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or to join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter at ResNetUS. Here's a quote for today. This is from Mae West, talking about performance of ventilation systems. An ounce of performance is worth pounds of promises. We hope you promise to come on back and listen next time to the Res Talk podcast. If you've not subscribed, please consider doing so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn, produced by Brian Orr, and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, 
a review on iTunes or the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on Res Talk. Mm-hmm.